Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Work ministry, amen, amen. What an amazing, an amazing time of worship we've had. Can we just uh, worship God for our worship team, the praise team, the choir, the band? I'm just amazed how God uses them every week to just bring us to a place, uh, just a place of His presence. And I thank God for their lives, I thank God for their sacrifice. It's not easy to get there, but I thank God for their life. God bless you. Amen. Uh, The True Word Ministry will be in the lobby uh, to entertain questions about the event they have coming. All right? Each time they put this job event, they are tempting me to look for a job. I I, I hope you know that. All right? Just don't tempt me too much. You don't want to hear that your pastor has been offered a job at a mega church in uh, Texas. All right, <laughs> and it's moving, right? All right, praise God, hallelujah. God is good. Uh, it's Palm Sunday. Can we just praise God for that? Amen. Today is the, it's called the Advent Week. It's the beginning of a series of events that led to the crucifixion of Jesus on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter Sunday. Uh, the most important time, uh, the most critical, uh, uh, you know, celebration uh, of in our Christian faith and symbolism of what it represents. Uh, regardless of how you feel about Easter, I would like you to take this season to reflect on what Jesus did, to reflect on the message of Easter, and to deepen your faith as a child of God, to just... Uh, you know, recommit yourself to him. And, uh, you know, I think that that will be something that you can do that will be a blessing to you. Amen and amen. And this week is loaded with a lot of events and activities that will help you to do that. Amen. On Thursday, we're going to have the play, the Easter play. I just want to warn you, don't say it's my church. I can go there anytime. You will be surprised if you just show up without registration, all right? You'll be surprised. So please, if you want to register, you can register. Uh, if you can display the website on the screen for people to register, please do so. Uh, uh, so, and we're going to have two, one on Thursday and one on Sunday. So just... Uh, keep that in mind. Thursdays in the evening, I believe at 7 o'clock or 7.30 they are about, and Sunday, 7.30, Sunday is 3.30, all right? Just note that, but we encourage you to attend only one, all right, in person. Uh, you can watch both of them online. I believe they will be streamed. Amen and amen. And on Friday, we will have our Good Friday service. Uh, we'll have Good Friday 
Holy Communion service. And we trust that God will meet us, we will celebrate Jesus, celebrate, you know, what he represents, celebrate his death, his resurrection, uh, with a solemn service, an Holy Communion service. The service will be, as usual, both in person and online. If you need to register, attend in person, I believe registration should be on website on the website now. Uh, you have to register in person, you know, to come in person, uh, or you can participate online. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you. We ask this morning that you will breathe your breath of life on this word. I pray that uh, every word, every phrase, even every cliche that I just utter here will be done in accordance to your will, will, be, will reflect your heart, and will be a blessing to your people. Open our heart to receive what you have to say for us. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Amen. Last week, we started our message series, Behind the Veil, and we, I took you back to the beginning about the plan of God to really dwell with us, uh, to fellowship with man, where man was created, how God will visit Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and how that was lost because of sin and disobedience, and how it wasn't just us who lost, God also lost something, you know, in the Garden of Eden. And that's why God began a plan of redemption, to redeem us. And that plan started through Abraham and his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob that was renamed Israel through Joseph, uh, you, know, that, you know, that brought them somehow to Egypt. And out of Egypt, God rescued his people and brought them into the wilderness so that they can worship him. And one of God's plan is to begin to reintroduce the concept of dwelling among his people in the wilderness. That concept was introduced. And um, in Exodus chapter 25, Exodus chapter 25, God told people to donate, you know, gold. One, one, something very interesting. Most of those things God asked them to donate were, were, those that were things that God gave to them miraculously when they were living in Egypt. When they were living in Egypt, God told them to go and borrow, you know, uh, jewelry, uh, articles of gold and things like that from the Egyptian. And God, you know, they were able to take those things to them, with them. And God asked them to put it together to create a tabernacle. And tabernacle is a movable place of worship, you know, for the children of Israel. And I like what he said in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, he says, then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. That is probably the first time God introduced that concept. Before then, we had a few people who walk with God individually, people like Noah, people like Job, you know, who walk with God. But this is the first time God said, I want to dwell among them. And in order to do that, God created, God gave Moses a plan. 
the tabernacle was not just an invention of Moses. Moses was probably not an architect or an engineer, but God revealed the plan for him uh, on the mountain. When he went to meet God on the mountain, God gave him that plan as in a vision. That's amazing. In fact, if you go to Exodus chapter 26, verse 30, Exodus chapter 26, verse 30, God told him, set up the tabernacle according to the plan that I showed you on the mountain. So God showed him that plan literally. So Moses must have copied it, written it, or somehow was able to draw it and gave it to people who are, you know, who have the, uh, you know, ability to be able to create them. <clears throat> so the children of Israel created the tabernacle. Tabernacle is very symbolic, and I'm going to spend some time today to really give us, you know, what are the elements of the tabernacle. And we also have a replica here, uh, so that was uh, made <laughs> by Jai Ministry. All right, so I'm going to I'm going to just walk you through, you know, what that really means because that is very very symbolic. So the tabernacle itself, by size, is about half of a, uh, when you count the outer court, is about half of a soccer field. It's a big place. It's a big church. <laughs> half of a soccer field. That's the old tabernacle. Generally, there are three areas in there. All right, the first area is called the outer court, so it's fenced in, all right? So that is the general area, and I'm going to go there and show it to you. So there are three areas of the tabernacle. Uh, you know, there is what is called the outer court, so it's all fenced in with a gate, all right? In there is now what is technically called the tabernacle itself, all right? So the tabernacle itself has... Two parts, two sections, rather. The first section is called the holy place. All right, the holy place. And the second section is called the holiest place, or the holy of holies. All right? So those are, you know, that's, that's how it is divided. I mean, when you read this, uh, and you can read from uh, Exodus chapter 25 through chapter 30, I mean, you're going to, unless you're really, you're really into some of those things, you're going to get lost. I mean, the plan is so detailed. I mean, it tells us God is so detailed about worship, about our relationship with him, that God is not casual. And God is also very methodical. And I really, I think it's a one, even as I read this again, I think it brings some awe into me that sometimes we, don't take some things that God takes seriously, seriously. Because I can imagine God is telling Moses all this detail, what kind of linen, what kind of this, how it must be sown, what is the size, what is the thickness. I mean, it's possible to say, oh, no, I can't, I, I can't find, it's so hard for me to find the kind of cloth that God has me. And say, so, let me just use this instead. You know, that's kind of how we serve God. That's how we worship God. You know, if I can't dedicate the time, I'm just going to do this. So, it shows that God really, really is particular. I want you to say God is particular. 
So God, God is not wishy-washy. I want you to say God is not wishy-washy. So I can't afford to be wishy-washy in my service to God. I can't just do it anyhow. I can't just, I, I, you know, David said uh, in Psalm, I believe Psalm 100, right? I will enter his gate with thanksgiving. I will enter his court with praise. He knew what he was talking about. All right? So I'm going to try and walk you through, all right, uh, this tabernacle. So what we have here is the entire tabernacle, including the outer court, all right? That's what we have in here. All right, so this is, this is where we call the gate. This is where the gate will be, all right? So the gate will be here, and in each place there are some elements, which hopefully you can see me, all right? All right. Are we all there? Can you all see me now? Good. Now, the first element when you enter into the tabernacle is generally called the altar. All right, this is where they have a lot of uh, sacrifices. This is, so generally, this, this is a big altar, and this has fire in there. This is where, uh, you know, they will kill animals. The outer court of the tabernacle is accessible to everybody, all right? Every Israelite can go to the outer court because this is where they come. They will meet a priest. Uh, you know, and the priest, and they will offer their sacrifice. Based on what they are trying to do, uh, they will offer an animal, they will offer a turtle dove, a goat, whatever they, you know, they are, they are, you know, according to the prescription of what they are doing. So this is where, where they will be. So this is a common place for everybody. So the outer court is a place that is common. I want you to say common. All right, so everybody can come in here. Now, when you walk, next to that is called the lava, or it's called the basin. Some people will use the word basin. Uh, this is make, made of Bronx, by the way. These are all made of Bronx. So this lava contains water, right? Basically, the high priest, before they go further than here, must wash themselves. So this is... You know, this is cleaning. Can you begin to see connection? Now, generally, this is where people can get to. People get to the altar and they walk back. They don't have the luxury of going beyond this place. Can you imagine? They can only imagine what is behind here. They could not just know. Now, this is what is called the, the lava where, you know, priests can wash themselves. Now, the next section here is where the place that is called the holy place. Now, the holy place is open only to the priests. All right? And the priests were the Levites. It's only one family, one of the 12 tribes of Israel that God called to be priests to him. All right? So there is the high priest who is the head of the priest. Aaron was the first high priest, and he continued... But there were many priests, all right, who serve with the high priest, all right? So all of them can go in here, you know, to worship, all right? And in here, there are three major things in here. The first 
um, very conspicuous thing is what is called the table of the bread, table of showbread. So they change the bread every day, and I believe the bread, you know, Jesus is the bread of life, right? The bread also represents the word of God. You know, the word is, you know, is like a, is, is, is bread. So there is the table of showbread. This showbread, uh, the priest, only priest can eat it, all right? Uh, so the priests perform, uh, you know, their, you know, their rituals here, their sacrifices here. You know, the holy place, like I said, nobody can come in there except the priest. Ordinary people can come in there. The next thing that is in here is what is called the golden lampstand. So this golden lampstand is uh, is almost a. It's like the tree of life. It's like a tree with seven lampstands, like seven candles, pretty much, lampstand that burns continuously. God gave Moses uh, the description of this, how this can be done. The stem comes up, and there are three branches on each side that form seven branches ultimately. So this is there. This is a symbol of the Spirit. You know, the Bible talks about the seven Spirit of God. Almost everywhere in the Bible. It's also a symbol of the tree of life. If you can begin to connect this also to, uh, to, to, to Genesis, you know, what we lost, the tree of life, you know, is also here. All right? The next thing here is what is called the incense, the altar of incense. All right? Altar of incense. They are, you know, this is where they burn incense. Hallelujah. Uh, I believe in Revelation chapter 8, the Bible described that incense as the prayer of the saints. Uh, I love that. The first time I read that, I think it changed my prayer life. Our prayer and our worship. The Bible says they are like incense. They go before the throne of God. Hallelujah. So you have the incense here where it is born unto the Lord. Amen. Now, this is a demarcation between the holy place and the holiest place. All right? There is a veil here. There is a veil here. You remember when Jesus died, uh, you know, one of the things that happened was the, the veil was rent into two, right? This is the veil because I told you the temple is a more permanent structure, more grandeur than the tabernacle. But they basically have the same architecture in terms of basic layout. So, but the first thing that there in the, in the scripture, the Bible says there are four pillars here, you know, that they hang the veil on, that are holding the veil, because a very thick veil, very thick veil, very, I think it's a few inches thick, all right? About four inches thick. Can you imagine a fabric that is about four inches thick? That's the veil. So that's because... The holiest place is a very dangerous place. Now, all the priests can come into the holy place, but only the high priest can go into the holiest place. And the high priest can only go in there once a year. Once a year. Now, in fact, when they go in here, whether it's the whether it's the holy place or the holiest place, usually when they go in there, they have to put a leash around their, 
around their hip on their belt. All right? And they, you know, and they put some, uh, some bell. You know, because when they are moving, people know that there's bell ringing, right? They know that they are alive. Because if there is sin in their life, if they are not living right, they, won't, they don't come back alive. That is how sacred the presence of God is. Now, so the holiest place, which is where we are now, has what is called the Ark of the Covenant. That is the most significant object in the, in the tabernacle. It's called the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant symbolizes the presence of God. Everywhere you read about the ark in the Bible. That's why the children of Israel, they must take the ark with them when they go to battles. If they don't have the ark, they don't have the presence. All right? If they don't have the ark, they don't have the presence. I mean, there was a time the ark was stolen. They had to fight and get the ark. You know, you remember? So ark was a very significant, a most significant article in this temple. Now, the ark itself... It's a very, very, you know, very, very symbolic. It's made of gold, pure gold. The ark has what is called the mercy seat, which is the cover of it. It's made of pure gold, all right, the mercy seat. And, you know, the Bible says when we go to the presence of God, we, we, we find mercy, right? So mercy is very critical to God's, God's nature. So we have what is called the mercy seat. And you have what is called the cherubim, the two of them, on top of it that are facing each other. All right? And inside here is the Ten Commandments. The original Ten Commandments that God gave Moses, you know, those tablets, they are kept in air. You know? And this is where the Lord uh, meets and comes down. This is where the, the most concentrated... I would say, for lack of a better word, uh, expression of the presence of God is found in the holiest place. Praise the name of Jesus. I hope I'm able to help you a little bit. All right. I hope I was able to give you some enlightenment, right? As far as Now, why... Is all this necessary? It's necessary to realize, like I said, that God is very detailed. So when the Bible tells me God knows the detail of my life, I believe that. He knows even the very hairs in my head, they are numbered. I believe that. Because... I don't serve a God that is clueless. I don't serve, I serve a God that is rush, rush, hush, hush. I serve a God that is so detailed. He knows the intricacies. He knows my body. I mean, he, know every, he knows everything that is going on. He knows everything about your life. It's also important to know that God is also very methodical in terms of how he wants us to worship him. All right, how he wants us to worship him. I mean, and I, I want you to really know that, that it doesn't, it's not, it, it's not for you to make up rules. 
It's not for you to say, oh, you know, I can just do it the way I want. Uh, no. And God hasn't changed when it comes to that. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed because essentially, this tabernacle is a copy of the tabernacle in heaven. And I'm going to try and, at least, let me try and get you there. Let's read uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9. Let's read verse 11. Let's read verse 11. I'll read verse 11. It says, But Christ, being come, an high priest, see, Christ is an high priest, of good things to come, by a greater and a, a more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. All right? Let me, let, me, let me just, let me try and read another version here. Hebrews 9, let me, give me one second. Let me try to. All right, let's, let me go to New Living Translation. <clears throat> let's go to verse 11. So Christ has now become the high priest. I'm reading the New Living Translation. NLT. Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered that greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goat and calf, he entered the most holy place. Once for all, at all time, and secured our redemption. Yeah. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? I think let's read verse 24. No, let's read verse 23. Uh, um. That is why, verse 23, the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven. Did you see that? Had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real thing in heaven had to be purified with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. <clears throat> Let's read verse 24. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was also a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I hope you learned something there. All right. So I've gone through all those articles, and I, and I just want to retrace it a little bit so it can be clear. The outer court, as I described, is just like the outer before the tabernacle itself. There's a gate in there. Everybody can get into the outer court. All right? 
in the outer court, we had what is called the altar of burnt offering, which is where they made the sacrifices. We had what is called the lava, you know, which is where the priests wash their hands, wash everything. Then they are able to go into the holy place. In the holy place, I think I explained there are three things in there, right? What are those things? We have the table, which is called the table of showbread. We have the golden lampstand, which is a representative of the Holy Spirit, the tree of life. And we have what is called the altar of incense, which is where they burn incense unto the Lord. Then between the holy place and the holiest, you have the veil. Very important. The veil. Most of us have heard of the veil, right? Now, in, that, in, the, in the holiest place, you have the, what is called the, 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 the Ark of Covenant itself. It's very important. Now, I want to try and go through the significance of this to us today. Number one, I think going through understanding the tabernacle tells us the heart of God to dwell with man. The old essence, the old intention of God for the tabernacle is a soul that I may dwell with them. And that has still not changed. You know, we have, not, in fact, in a lot of ways, in many ways, according to the New Testament, <clears throat> we have all become now his tabernacle. He wants to dwell in us. And together we also form his tabernacle. And that is why he wants to dwell with us. Praise the name of Jesus. That has always been the heart of God, constantly. God wants to dwell with us. He wants a relationship. <clears throat> he doesn't want a transaction. A lot of times, we deal with, uh, with God in a transactional way. All right? We come to him when we need something. We are very serious. We fast. We pray when we are going through problems. And when we are no longer going through problems, we just do what we need to do. We just forget him. You know, we are too proud. We don't really care. No, that's not what God is looking for. When your mindset shifts to a mindset of relationship, intimacy, you are constant. Right? You're constant. Your commitment to God is constant. Your relationship with God is evil. It's not based on what is going on in your life. You know, your prayer life is as fervent when you just made a million bucks as when you were struggling. All right? You don't, you don't outgrow God. People outgrow God. <clears throat> Excuse me, which is a shame. People just say, oh, I've, I've paid my dues. I've been there, done that. When people talk like that, that's a sign of backsliding. There's nothing like being there, done that. You don't outgrow God. You don't say, oh, yeah, now I used to be so fervent. I used to be so serious. I used to be the first person to, you know, to show up in church. I used to be standing in front of church when they are opening the door. But now you just target. You know, as long as I'm there before Pastor G.D. start preaching, I think I made church. Wow. Wow. How are the mighty falling? That's a backsliding state. You know, that shows that something has shifted in the heart. And the Bible says a backslider in the heart is full of his ways. You know, when you are no longer moved, you know, that's how you know things have shifted. Worship no longer moves you. 
You, can't, you no longer cry before the presence of God. You are no longer, sin no longer bothers you. In fact, you become so cynical about what is going on with God. You know, you can do whatever. You know, you don't care. You are so mad at some pastors. You can go online and blast them and criticize them anyhow. You, you, you are, some of these things, you are not as reverential to God as you used to be. You know, I think reverence is very critical when it comes to God. Praise the name of Jesus. So, God wants to dwell with people, with us. Now, the tabernacle is a plan that is revealed. It shows that God is methodical in his interaction with us. Everything you read in the Bible is intentional. It's not a mistake. And we enter into his gate with thanksgiving. There's a gate when you go before God. And we enter into his court with praise. There is a court. All right? They are not just words. They are not just accidental words. Everything you read in the Bible is very intentional. And it's important to be very intentional in your approach to them. Praise the name of Jesus. Exodus 26, 30, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. Another thing we can learn from this is the tabernacle is a shadow of what is in heaven. It's a replica. But it's also a shadow of what is to come. All right? That's why we no longer have the tabernacle the way it is in, the, in this place today. Because what they had was a shadow. It was not the full revelation of God. It was full of restriction. Did you see that? Only everybody can only get into the outer court. Wow. Only certain people can get into the holy place. And only one person can get into the holiest place. Yeah, it was a, was a plan, but it was not a full plan. And how many people want to say, I want the full plan? And we have the full plan. In Christ Jesus, we have the faith. What that means is when it comes to access to God, nobody has more access than you. And that, let that sink in. I don't have more access than you. No one can claim more access than you to God. Now, yes, we all need each other. Because we are gifted, God created the concept of church so that none of us is self-sufficient. You know, God never made us to be self-sufficient so that we, I say, I have access to God and I don't need any other person. If you try that, you'll find out in a very, very bad way. That's not right. That's not, now we all need each other. We all support each other because at the end of the day, no one is a complete representation of the temple. We are all combined the temple. We are all combined the body of Christ, right? We are all one body. So we need each other. We need, obviously, the structure that we have in the church, right? We need the leader of the church. And God. there are some things God does through them. Uh, there are some things God will do through other people, right? There are some things that God will do in a lot of ways. So in that sense... We all need each other. 
But there is a sense when it comes to our access to God, my ability to speak to him, the fact that he can hear me, the fact that I have unfettered access to God, like unrestricted access. You have an unrestricted access to God. 24-7, not once a day. Some people believe that, oh, yeah, a certain time, God can hear your prayer. I've had people who say that. There's a prayer book that tells people you pray at 12 midnight. That is when some things happen in the spirit. That's garbage. There's nothing like that in the Bible. People like to formulate this thing just to act like they are spiritual, you know, to act like they are deep. There's nothing deep about just something like that. God is available 24-7. All right? Call upon me anytime, right? Don't you want a God you can call on anytime? 7 a.m., 7 p.m., 12 a.m., 12 midnight, 3 a.m., 3 p.m. I can call upon him and I have access to him. So I think there is certain confidence that you must have that God hears me. You know, now, it's not easy. Even I struggle sometimes with that. Where I just say, I can't even hear me now if I was God. <laughs> but thank God I wasn't God. I mean, thank God because we have to know God to a point when we know that he's really not, he's not embarrassed even by us. You know how you are, how you, you're so embarrassed? You know how you do something, you don't even show up in church because you've done so bad. You know as you show up, everybody's laughing at you, but in their mind they're like, oh my God. You know, God is never embarrassed by us. He, he, he knows how bad we are. He knows how weak we are. He knows our frame. All right? Now, doesn't mean we can take him for granted. It doesn't mean we can live anyhow. But it means that we can always go back to him, even when things go wrong. All right? Even when things go wrong. Even when you have disappointed him, you can always go back and make it right. That's what he means. Now, it also means that he is accessible. He's willing to listen. He is understanding. All right? He is understanding. You know, it's very important for us to know that access is the reason why Jesus died. Access to God. And we're going to talk about that next week in a more elaborate way. But I really want that to really want you to get the fact that God is very methodical. God is very, you know, God is, you know, is structured. All right? And God wants us to really take him seriously. God wants us to take him seriously. In the Old Testament, yeah, people fall down and die. Literally, right? In the New Covenant, people still die. If you go to 1 Corinthians 11, you see that people died because of how they treated the Holy Communion. Did you know that? Some people died because of that. Apostle Paul writing to them in 1 Corinthians 11, and he told them how they were dishonoring the body of Christ. So you were dishonoring him. You 
take Holy Communion, you start eating, you start talking like it's no big deal, you start saying, oh, the body of Christ, you start drinking the wine, you start, and, and the apostle said, that's why some of you are sick, some of you are, weal, are, are weak, and some have even died. So that basic concept of reverence of God has never disappeared because of grace, because some people also misses that. Grace simply means gift, that we don't earn our salvation, right? We receive it by faith. We don't earn it. Now, grace does not mean we don't take God seriously. Grace does not mean we live in disobedience. In fact, Bible is clear. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. So you can't say, oh, I'm under grace, therefore I can live. I mean, anybody that does that actually does not understand grace. Titus 1.11 says, the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, right, in this world. So anyone that understands the grace of God, you understand the gift of God. You understand how much God has given to you. Anyone that understands the grace of God, they live in response to that. They love him in response. They serve him in response. They worship him in response. They give to him in response because they understand what a gift has God given to me. What a grace has God given to me. And I pray that we will just leave this Palm Sunday without understanding of what Jesus has done for us. If you are here, you want to make it right with Jesus. Maybe things are not right. You know that you've, you are backsliding in your heart. You know that you are not living right. God is, has not, is not number one place in your life. Or you have never even given your life fully. You can't remember really giving your life fully to the Lord. What a Sunday to do it. This will be a wonderful time. To say, I want to make it right with Jesus. Because Jesus died for me. He did all this for me. He was buried for me. He rose the third day so that I can have life. I can have access to God. And you want to receive that gift. Because that same Jesus is coming back. And we're all give, going to give an account. And you want to say, Pastor, please help me. Help me. I want you to put your hands on your chest if you want me to pray that prayer for you. Only, even if you're watching at home, just put your right hand on your chest and repeat after me. And say, Jesus, I thank you because you died for me. You were buried. And on the third day, you rose for me. Today, I accept that gift, the gift of salvation. I receive it. And I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you cleanse me and give me unrestricted access to the Father. And I pray you make me a new person from the inside. And I pledge to walk with you. I pledge to surrender myself to you. My plan, my decisions, I plan to lay it at, at your feet. 
from today. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I would like to know. I'd like you to fill the form. I want you to go to agapehousenj.org slash connect on your phone. A form will come, and you'll be able to let us know that you made that decision. But everybody, I want us to pray now and say, Lord, thank you. Let's lift up our hands and just thank you. Don't you just appreciate what the Lord did to us? Appreciate his goodness. Appreciate, appreciate his faithfulness. Appreciate that you, he thinks so highly of you. He thinks so highly of you. God thinks so highly of you. You're so valuable to him. Can you just thank him? Just worship him. Thank him for the access that you have through Christ Jesus. Thank him, thank him because you have a free access. You can come to the throne of grace. There is mercy at the throne of grace. There is strength at the throne of grace. There is healing at the throne of grace. So, Father, we just thank you today. We just honor you and we just bless you. Wow, we bless you for what you have done for us. We give you glory. We give you honor. We exhort you today. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen.